Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, June 9th, 2015, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, great news, everybody. Only two more days until Mercury goes direct at about 6.33 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, and we are counting the hours. I don't know about y'all, but we have had so many technical glitches with computers and things like that, and I'm just really, really happy that everything's working right now. And more good news, Craig Campobasso is back with us tonight. Beyond his work as an Emmy-nominated casting director director for Picket Fences, he's a starseed on a mission. Last September, his short film, Stranger at the Pentagon, won first place for sci-fi films at the Burbank International Film Festival. Based on the work of Dr. Frank Strangis, it's the true story of a created being from Venus named Valiant Thor, who spent three years as a documented guest of the Eisenhower administration. Craig is also an accomplished author, having just released the second book of his trilogy called The Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial Saga, Waking Tehran is a second book of the trilogy, and the first book is The Autobiography of an Extraterrestrial Saga, I Am Tehran. The third book will be coming in 2016. He's been called the modern-day Gene Roddenberry, which is, who is the creator of Star Trek, because his work, whether in print or on the screen, causes people to think, to expand their consciousness, and consider the existence of other worlds. His websites are autobiographyofanet.com and craigcampabasso.com, and Craig is C-R-A-I-G, and Campobasso is C-A-M-P-O-B-A-S-S-O dot com, as well as StrangerAtThePentagon.com. And all those sites are linked, so you can find your way through all of them. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. We'd like to thank Vanya for hosting the Switchboard this evening. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and thanks go to Tammy, as always, for her dedication to the forum. You can download our show podcasts on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page. Just look for the cloud icon with an arrow. The toll-free number for starseedhotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. Find out when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you would like an interpretation of those charts, please book it about two months ahead of time to make sure that you get it before your birthday. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia. Hello, Anastasia. 
Good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Lavendar, Starseed, everybody. <clears throat> it's so good to be with you. You know, I wasn't able to get on last week because of the computer glitches and Mercury retrograde, and it was just wonderful to have something work this evening and to be able to be with you. And then when you were talking about when Mercury was going direct, of course, I'm working on my uh, my news here, and... <laughs> Just as you said that, my computer kind of goofed up a little bit. So I am going to be more, in fact, I think I'm going to have a Mercury Direct party. <laughs> I think that's what I'm, I think we'll have a party and celebrate that. So if I pause uh, a few moments during the news, it's just because I'm trying to sort out what my computer did. And it wasn't me, truly, you know. <laughs> right, right. So anyway. Yeah, right. So it's great to be with all of you. I just feel whole again. You know how much I love to be with all of you. So we we missed a lot of news last week. There's just been so much happening. So I will move swiftly as I can uh, without losing you in the flux of the news. But I also want to cover some important stuff. And we've just had so much Earth activity going on, and so I'll just get right to it. Now, yesterday, an asteroid passed extremely close to our planet. It was asteroid 2015 LM that came within a half a lunar distance of our planet, half a lunar distance. And that's not the only one. The week before, I think, just about maybe 14, 18 days ago, there was another one that came even closer than that, was underneath our uh, satellites. So we've had a couple of close calls here in just the last couple of weeks. And that happened. And there's another one coming up uh, day after tomorrow that's going to be relatively close. I think it's under a lunar distance, under one. So just a lot of activity going on up there with things whizzing by our planet. And on the sun, uh, sunspot AR2360 has an unstable beta gamma magnetic field that does, of course, harbor energy for strong flares. They say that the sunspot right now is relatively quiet. There's only a 15% chance of M-class flares today, so not a lot going on up there. But last Tuesday, uh, when we should have been on the I should have been on the air with you, was the first night of the strawberry moon. Now, this month's full moon got its name, of course, from June bearing uh, strawberries. And I just think that uh, the idea of strawberry moonlight just sounds lovely. Isn't that lovely, strawberry moonlight? Yeah. So we're uh, af- af- out of the phase, though, of the full moon, but I wanted to share that with you, that this, is month, uh, this month, June, is the month of the strawberry moon. Well, we've had a great deal of earth- earthquake activity since I was last on the air with you. Uh, in the uh, Aizu Islands of the Japan region, they had an earthquake magnitude 6.4. That's pretty good sized. And in California, a 5.5 near Brook Trails and also a 4.8 magnitude near San Simeon. In uh, Also around Japan, off the Bonin Islands, there was a 7.8. That's pretty major. Uh, that was uh, just uh, some days back. This is uh, within since I talked to you last, so probably about eight days ago. There weren't any uh, damages from that, which is pretty surprising. Uh, there was a magnitude three, uh, 3.0 earthquake that was recorded in North Wales, which is pretty unusual in the British Isles. And in Tokyo, we had a 4.7, a 5.2 in Greece, and a swarm of earthquakes uh, reported near Costa Rica's Irazu volcano. 
There were at least 23 tremblers with epicenters to those northwest of the Costa Rican capital. Uh, the strongest of those quakes was 4.2, but a swarm of 23 earthquakes around a, a volcano can certainly indicate uh, you know, possible concerns about eruptions. And speaking of eruptions, the Zupanovatsky <laughs> volcano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my. It spewed a column of ash six meters above sea level. Uh, it is, uh, say, they doesn't pose any threat to populated localities, but it has been assigned an orange aviation color code, which, as you probably can ascertain, uh, that means that they need to be cautious in flying around those areas uh, with the ash cloud. And they do think that they, it will spew up more ash, uh, you know, coming up. Now, the most powerful existing volcano uh, in Russia, uh, uh, in the world, is in Russia, and it's in Kamchatka, and that. Uh, uh, puts up clouds of steam up to 75,000, uh, 7,500 meters high, and that is a big volcano. So lots of volcanic activity going on all over the planet all the time, but every week when I get ready to share the news with you, I'm coming across more and more that I've never heard of, uh, just new ones popping up. And we have talked before about the strange trumpet sounds in the sky over the last few years since that started, and uh, it's happening again. It's it's on an uptick, a big uptick. Uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, there are videos of posted on YouTube of people recording these strange so uh, sounds in the sky. Uh, in Phoenix, there have and this is where my glitch comes in because my news is a little bit split here. So bear with me while I scroll and look in Phoenix, Arizona, and in in uh, the Philippines. And in the Philippines, people are describing these as groaning sounds and trumpeting sounds, really scaring people. Um, also in Indonesia, and where else? We've got. Uh, hold on here while I'm looking. Long Island, New York, isn't that wild? Uh, Long Island's got to have a lot of sounds, but. <laughs> These are strange, what people are calling groaning sounds coming from the sky in Long Island. And uh, where else here? We've got some more I'm going to get for you here. British Columbia. British Columbia has had some interesting activity up there lately um, in the Department of High Strangeness. But this particular episode of, of trumpet sounds coming from the sky is originating from Terrence, British Columbia. And they have had that before. Uh, it stopped for a while, for a year or so, and it has picked up again. So we have got these strange sounds all over the UK. And Cheltenham uh, is reporting trumpeting sounds. Uh, this just in the past few nights, uh, all of these sounds have been heard in the places that I've mentioned and also in Germany, Austra Australia, and Iceland. So it's heating up again. Keep your ears to the sky. I did hear them once uh, about a year and a half ago where I live. Very, very strange stuff. Mm. I'd like to hear from you if you've heard that. Please email me at Anastasia at StarseedHotline.com. And if you get a chance, please try to make a recording of that. Well, in the more terrestrial uh, phase of our lives, I wanted to share this with you. There was an article by Discovery News that brought out that some U.S. hospitals are marking up their prices for services a thousand percent. They are charging the uninsured and the out-of-network patients ten times what's allowed by Medicare. And this is according to a new public health study. 
The study was led by Gerard Anderson and John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and other universities, and it was based on a review of 2012 Medicare cost reports. Experts are saying there is no justification for these outrageous rates, but no one tells hospitals they can't charge them. They say for the most part, there is no regulation of hospital rates, and there are no market forces that force hospitals to lower their rates. They charge these prices simply because they can. They say that for-profit hospitals appear to be better players in the price gouging game. They represent only 50, only 30, excuse me, 30 percent of hospitals in the United States, but they account for 98 percent of the hospitals with the higher markups. They say that people who have insurance pay less. Why? Because the insurance companies negotiate with the providers for reduced rates. So this is a case of if you're having a yard sale, for instance, and you have a plate, maybe it's an old cracked plate, might be a little bit old, whatever, you think it's worth $50, but it's really maybe worth a quarter. However, if somebody comes along and they are persuaded that that's a valuable plate, they will pay you $50 for it when it's probably worth a quarter. What this tells us is a lot of times the value of things is not at all what the price of it is. So just passing that along. And uh, we have a very good article out by Natural Society that I wanted to share with you about GMOs. We talked about that two weeks ago. Well, now a former senior scientist from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, has been speaking out against GMOs. And they say that he is a very influential person, that we should pay attention to him. He has wonderful credentials. His name is Dr. Raymond Seidler. And he was a professor of microbiology at Oregon State University before he worked at the EPA. He's got a lot of honors. In other words, he's a man of high reputation in his field. And he is saying that GE crops provide no significant increase in crop yields, that that's a fallacy. The claim of why we should do it is a fallacy. He said that they pose other severe concerns to the environment and to human beings, namely that they cross-pollinate non-genetically modified species uh, with their uh, GMO genes and that they have negative impacts to the, to the environment. He says that these side effects are caused by broken biotech promises. He says that there has been very little research that's been conducted by scientists regarding GMOs, and he says that biotech restricts these studies by requesting that professors sign an agreement prior to the research being completed that forces them to send all of their results to the biotech companies before being published to be vetted and discounted should it paint their GM seed in any negative light. This scientist that is uh, conducting the study that I'm talking about says that this is nothing short of censorship. He said individuals have conducted years of research on this, cannot publish their findings in any reputable journals because biotech vetoes the results. Well, we all kind of knew that, but there well, you have it. Yeah. That's becoming public information, and it's a good thing. It makes you wonder who's the boss. Oh, absolutely. Well... In our society at the moment, it appears that money's the boss, money's the power, but right. things are shifting. Things are shifting. And that's our job. Astronomers in Australia have detected the existence of tubular plasma structures in the inner layers of the magnetosphere surrounding the Earth, and they have made a three-dimensional movie of these. 
Now, they say the Earth's magnetic field is filled with plasma created by the atmosphere and is being ionized by sunlight. The innermost layer of the magnetosphere is the ionosphere, and above that is the plasmasphere. Well, they say that these are embedded with a variety of strangely shaped plasma structures uh, that look like tubes. And they say they don't know what they are necessarily. They've just discovered them. But they say that they need to know what they do because they cause unwanted signal distortions that affect civilian and military satellite-based navigation systems. Had you ever heard of these plasma tubes? This is new to me. No, uh uh-uh. Me either. So that's pretty fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Could be metaphysically very interesting as well. But that's for another time. Well, if you value privacy, you may want to think twice before using Facebook Messenger. This comes from RT News. They have found out that a new extension for Chrome has revealed that location data is shared through the app of Facebook Messenger, and it tracks people down with almost perfect accuracy. The extension is called the Marauder's Map, after that magical map in Harry Potter, and it pinpoints the locations of a person's Facebook friends. It allows a person to track their movements, learning about all their routines and weekly schedules. So just be advised about that. Well, giant sawfish have been discovered to have virgin births, and this is rewriting uh, biology textbooks. They are very surprised to discover that a giant endangered fish with saw-like snouts in Florida are experiencing virgin births. That means, of course, they're producing, reproducing without a mate. Now, this, they say, is the first solid evidence of such asexual reproduction in the wild for any animal that has a backbone. A backbone. The first vertebrate virgin birth ever discovered in science. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Well, the California school, a California school district is using spyware to monitor students' social media accounts. Now, an Orange County school district is using new software to spy on their students' social media accounts to help prevent crime. And students are calling this an invasion of privacy. Well, the school district has obtained a new social media program called Snap Trends that allows them to monitor students' Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Foursquare, Vine, and Instagram accounts when they use those on campus. And the district further claims that they will be using the software to prevent and stop cyberbullying, keep an eye on for students who are at risk to themselves or others, as well as search for potential criminal activities. Nevada County, California. UFO has been caught sucking water out of a California lake. A local pilot and amateur photographer has shared an exclusive photo with a Nevada County scooper newspaper newspaper, depicting an unidentified flying object hovering, hovering over Scott's Flat Lake that's located in Nevada County, California. Now, according to the pilot, the object appears to be sucking water out of the reservoir. Now, for the purpose of this article, the pilot wanted to be anonymous, but he said he was on a routine flight when he spotted what he initially thought was another plane. However, when he radioed the other craft for confirmation, it didn't respond. Now, we know that UFO people around the globe have suspected that UFOs uh, from the known universe have been visiting Earth because of the prominence of water on our planet 
some people are speculating that spacecraft want to refuel their vessels. Now, there was a second sighting on the same day of that same craft by a different pilot. So there, in the end, there were two witnesses that saw this craft. And the photo is on the net. So if you want to research that, UFOs uh, taking water out of California Lake from Nevada County, California. Look at that picture. Interesting. Well, our quote for the week. Seek out that particular mental attitude which makes you feel most deeply and vitally alive, along with which comes the inner voice which says, this is the real me. And when you have found that attitude, follow it. Be the real you. William James. William wow, James was a great man. Mm-hmm. That's it for tonight. I'm looking forward to the news, to the show, I'm sorry, to the show. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anastasia. There's some, a lot of stuff happening, and thank you for reporting. A lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I love the quote, too. So William James uh, was a brilliant man. Thank you. Well, you are so welcome, and... Um, Without further ado, let me get Lavendar's microphone open, and we're going to introduce Craig Campobasso. Just a second. Okay, we are on the air. Hi, Craig. Hey, how are you? Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great. And Lavendar? I'm here. All right. Okay, Craig. I, I... I can hear you all perfectly. I'm so happy to be with you guys tonight. Thank you. Well, give us an update on what's been happening with your movie, Stranger at the Pentagon. Just give us a rundown of what's been happening with your movie. Sure. The, um, uh, you know, I've been holding uh, screenings. We had some screenings uh, at the Integratron uh, in January, which were both sold out. Uh, I was just there last weekend uh, because of contact in the desert, so... Uh, we will be doing some more screenings at the Integratron uh, probably in about two months, maybe uh, late summer, uh, early spring. Um, and about a month ago, we won another, we won a Remy Award with the uh, Houston World Fest uh, International Film Festival uh, for Best Science Fiction Short. Again, so. So we're very excited to have two nice awards um, uh, for the short film, which is really exciting, especially because of the subject matter and uh, it being sort of a -a one-of-a-kind story, uh, especially uh, in the UFO community and for Starseeds, all of that stuff. But um, I'm also going to be... uh, Semi in your neck of the woods this Friday. I'm going to be in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm going to be screening the film there. Um, and uh, I'm going to just get you that information while I look it up. Uh, we're doing it in conjunction with uh, Margie Kay. She's a, a MUFON state director. And um, it's going to be this Friday. Um, by the way, people can always check out uh, uh, all the appearances where I'll be showing the film on um, StrangerAtThePentagon.com or AutobiographyOfUnET.com under Appearances. Uh, we'll have everywhere where I'm going to be. Um, and it's going to be at the... Uh, hang on, I'm almost there, everybody. 
Um, here we go. Just found it. So it's going to be this Friday night at the Unity Temple on the Plaza in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, people can go to um, uh, unx unxnewsmagazine.com and uh, read about it and uh, get advanced tickets. Uh, I think if they get tickets tonight, um, it's still on the cheaper end. And then uh, tomorrow it goes to, I think, the normal price. So, uh, so that's very exciting. That's also listed on my Facebook page and Stranger at the Pentagon Facebook page as well. And then uh, July 4th weekend is the exciting... Um, uh, festival in Roswell. So I'm going to be there uh, showing, doing two screenings of the film a day for three days. Wow. And that's where they have the big parade and they have all kinds of um, exciting things happening. And uh, uh, I guess uh, everybody flies in and it's really, really quite the, the fun uh, weekend. So I'm excited about that, and then I'll be doing a conference up in um, Mount Shasta in August, uh, and uh, I'll be showing the film there. That's also listed on the website. People can check it out, and uh, and then I'm talking about a venue for this September uh, to show the film as well, and I think that's going to be in the Midwest or back East. I'm not exactly sure. I was just briefly talking to them yesterday about it. So, so lots of exciting things are happening and, um, still, uh, you know, we're now in the, uh, in the stage of raising our budget, which is, uh, 23.5 million. And, uh, as soon as uh, we get everything settled there, we'll, start the giant feature film and that would be the most exciting day i can't wait for that to happen wow I'm sure that it will happen and i just want to know that on our starseed quest in may over in arkansas i i showed your uh film to our group and it was so wonderful to see at the end of the credits uh, our names at the bottom and there were a lot of people there that had contributed to your film and they were actually get, getting to see their name at the bottom. I thought that was so cool. Uh, and, and I did that because I've always said this movie was made by the people for the people. And I wanted everyone who contributed in any way, shape, or form uh, to to have credit. And I just thought, because it really it was a culmination of all of us making that film. Everybody put their energy into it in uh, one, uh, one form or another, and I'll be forever grateful, because without all of you, we never could have made it. Right. Thank you. Well, I, there's yeah. a lot of people tonight on the, uh, listening to our show that has not heard about Stranger at the Pentagon. So if you would just give us a, like a five-minute rundown on the movie, uh, then maybe they'll be able to uh, go on and be able to see it on your website or contribute sure. to be part of a starseed group that says, let's go do this. Let's go do this, yes. And and just so they know as well, uh, on uh, the website, strangerthepentagon.com, you can watch the short film. There are um, some snippets of... Um, 
uh, of the trailer, some little trailer, other trailers for the movie, and a snippet um, from when I went to Colorado to shoot uh, um, uh, the show with um, uh, Regina Meredith, Open Minds, on Gaim TV, which which really went through the roof uh, as well. So if any of the listeners have Gaim TV and they didn't see that episode, they can they can go back into uh, Regina's uh, open mind section and watch it. Uh, but there's a little clip of the show there as well. And uh, all the books and uh, the movie and um, posters and all kinds of one-of-a-kind paraphernalia, uh, people can still get by making a donation on the donation page. So uh, don't go try and find the book on Amazon. It'll cost you a fortune. I mean, people were paying $70 for the book. So... Um, don't do that. Just uh, you know, it's everything is cheaply on the donation page. So, so anyway, the um, the the basic storyline is about a uh, created being whose name is Valiant Thor, who came in 1957, uh, met with President Eisenhower and Vice President Richard Nixon, uh, who came with a divine design to. Uh, eliminate sickness, disease, and poverty, and to prolong life. Uh, Eisenhower had such a goodwill feeling towards this man that he put him on a VIP status where he lived uh, at the Pentagon three stories down. And uh, during this three years, they would discuss this proposal and see how they could implement it throughout the United States. And then when proven successful, um, uh, implement it throughout the rest of the world. So, so the short film basically takes the main storyline of that idea and leaves it with a cliffhanger ending. The, the The short film has scenes that were either shaved down or uh, that kind of thing to sort of fit into a short story, and then we leave it with a cliffhanger ending. So everybody can't wait to see the uh, the big feature film. And uh, including me, by the way, and uh, even though I know what it is, but it's incredible when you bring it to life on the screen. It's so exciting. And uh, the short film has over 90 visual effects, so it took a year alone just to, just to do that, um, which is really, really exciting. Uh, so that's the that's the uh, main storyline. The feature-length film, of course, will go into more great detail of exactly what happened during those three years, um, why the proposal was turned down in the end uh, when Valiant Thor left with his uh, with his crew members, and then when he returned, and what's going on today. Uh, with them will be in a summation as well. So, and I met the book's author, Dr. Frank Stranges, in 2001. Became immediately fast friends with him. So, I had the the um, the luxury to sit with him for years and years, and and have him tell uh, stories of uh, all of his meetings and um, talks with Valiant Thor, his crew members, which. Uh, which was really fascinating to me because to hear about all the vice commanders that on on board Victor One, which is the flagship, it's a a 300 feet in diameter uh, saucer shaped uh, craft that holds 200 people. Um, so the vice commanders are Vice Commander Don Teal, Thon T H O N N, Zan, 
and um, and also uh, there's another created being on board whose name is Yanaya, and he comes out of Melchizedek, and his associate's name is Yo or Yo. It's spelled Y E O. So uh, so it's a fascinating. Um, uh, it's a real fascinating story. When I first read the book in the 80s, I I was really drawn to the photographs that were taken of Valiant Thor. Uh, his vice commander, uh, Don, was along for the, with him that day, which were taken in Howard Menger's backyard. Um, there is another lady that was with them who has blonde hair. Uh, her name is Jill, and she is married to Zan, who's one of the vice commanders. So she had come down with him that day to go to that lecture um, in Menger's backyard where August Roberts, a retired Air Force photographer, uh, took all of the famous photos um, that day, uh, some in black and white and some in color, and those are the ones that we've all come to know. So let me ask you, when you've been showing these films in these different places, do you think that Valiant Thor has been in the crowd, or, or has he shown up in any form at all while you're doing this? Well, I, I feel, uh, I, I always know that, um, that I can feel their presence very strongly, and I know that they measure the reaction and responses from the audience. And I can feel them energetically. I have not seen them or met them in person. Um, I have met people uh, who have, uh, besides Dr. Frank. Um, and uh, I've had uh, conversations with them. And, and it's interesting because they, um, they all said the same thing that Dr. Frank said, which was it was like he could look right through me. And you just had this incredible sense of peace and calm, and you just knew that everything was going to be all right. That you know this was an angelic presence, and um, and I think that the way the world is now, to to uh, for the world that doesn't even think that these angelic presences are here, helping us and guiding us, um, that this is this is uh, something that. Um, uh, that that makes people feel warm and 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 safe. Um, not that we're looking to them as, as to be our saviors. They're not looking for that, of course. I want I want to make sure that perfectly clear. They're just here to assist in the transformation of consciousness, going from duality into becoming fully conscious. So that's meaning our heart and our mind merge into one, and we start thinking about the bigger picture, about not only all of mankind on Earth, but then we expand that out into universal kind, and that's when we join with universal society. So they're here during while that transformation is going on, and of course that brings us into the Tehran books, which, which is about that whole program that comes out of Melchizedek. So... Um, but uh, the responses that I get from everybody, everybody uh, um, is really, especially if they haven't heard about the story of a stranger at the Pentagon, they're, they're really moved to, um, to just even think or comprehend that something like this could even exist. Of course, there are ple- people that don't believe. Um, I, I, like I said, I can't prove the story at all, but 
I think it's a fantastic story, and and I think that these stories should be told over all of the other stories about aliens coming to Earth and killing people and eating them and doing all kinds of things. If Why don't we have a positive uh, story about people from somewhere else as well? Um, and, and it's up to the people if they want to, uh, you know, how they want to take it, if they want to believe it, if they uh, think it's a piece of science fiction. It's still an incredible story, and it still is giving an incredible message. You know, Craig, when someone says to me, well, I don't believe in UFOs, I say, that's too bad they believe in you. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what I always, well, what I always uh, say. I, well, sorry, they believe in you. I wanted to ask you about Victor One. Uh, is yeah. Victor One still stationed over at Lake Mead? Yes, it is stationed at Lake Mead still, and there are um, about almost 200 of the Victor class fleet that are stationed in and around the earth and um uh interestingly enough um the i have uh, one of our posters by the way when dr frank was alive he actually had a rendering of victor one done with its entire blueprints of floor one and floor two so that is one of our posters that we uh that we have on the website uh under the donation tier and then up uh, way up above dr frank said there is a giant star ship that is 14 miles long and seven miles wide and it is like living on a virtual reality planet as well so there are there are forests and streams and mountains and all kinds of things uh, within the craft. And as you know, and uh, from um, reading the Tehran books, that they also have uh, synchrotron skies, which you could be on a craft and look up, and you would think you're standing on a planet and looking up into the sky. So, so that 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 helps them not have the feeling of, of confinement of having space, of having an infinite space, and um, uh, not feeling claustrophobic when you're confined to a craft for long periods of time. Um, another interesting thing about the Victor One uh, crew is that um, part of the crew changes out every three months, and they go to dif- different uh, craft and back and forth uh, to their home worlds and to... Um, um, uh, to the starship, et cetera, so that they learn all facets of everything in every area as well. Remember, they live, they live well into their two and three thousands. Um, created beings live forever, so they become an adult at like age seventy to seventy-five. So that whole period of their life is learning all about the universe and going to school and about the cosmos and how it works and uh, the multiverse, the super multiverse, uh, is all about the creation. So it's an amazing, um, it's amazing, it's an amazing school. And when we leave this planet, we're going to go right into that school. Well, I know that the, the Star of Bethlehem is uh, 27 miles long, seven miles across, and three and a half miles high. And it's very similar to what you just said about the way they put the sky, and it makes you think you're not, you know, confined. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's amazing. So do you think that uh, all these different um, scout ships placed in these different places on the planet are in alignment with some of the Pleiadian agenda that's happening here? Well, the the Victor class saucers are not scout ships. They're actually um, they're full blown, three hundred feet in diameter. But they do have scout ships within them. And um, interestingly enough, they are all uh, flown by beams that come out of the starship. So it's all programmed in in that manner. But yes, they're all part of. They all work in conjunction with one another. Um, in the raising of consciousness out of the program that comes out of Melchizedek. Did you hear recently about an earthquake that happened up in Nevada at Lake Mead and and the water dropped six feet? Did you hear about that? No. When did that happen? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I I actually was at Lake Mead, interestingly enough, this year on March 16th. And uh, the water already, uh, the last time I was there years ago, the water had dropped, but I couldn't believe how far the water had dropped again. So, um, Yeah, they're really in, in dire straits with their water problem. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for sure, for well, sure. Let's talk a little bit about this wonderful book. Well, the part one was uh, I Am Siron, and, and book two is Waking Siron. So give us a little thumbnail sketch of how this came about and why you decided to do book two. Well, I, uh, I've always known that, uh, the, that it was going to be a trilogy. And uh, so book one, uh, book one uh, sort of brings us into um, uh, the reader actually is the lead character, Tehran. Um, and Tehran is uh, a, a seven foot seven Pleiadian who is born dualistic in a society that is all fully conscious. Um, in their society, about every 200 births, there's somebody who is born dualistic, and this helps the rest of the fully conscious people to stay um, uh in touch with what duality actually is because they're living they don't they don't have a reference to how a dualistic mind works because theirs is working out of complete love and uh that so so when you have these anomalies that sort of come in um they all help uh, they all help with them to raise their consciousness but it's it's all a learning process so so uh Tehran is also a um in book one, he is uh, at the co- advanced college level at Melchizedek. He's on University Planet 22. Uh, first of all, Melchizedek is an aisle of 490 planets that you can see from one breath all the way to the other breath. And they're all university planets, and this is where the entire local universe is schooled in all things uh universe multiverse super multiverse etc so um so Tehran is uh he actually is preparing mighty messengers um in the program of incarnating on earth and once they're incarnated they will have major spiritual awakenings and they will gravitate and really work towards achieving becoming fully conscious 
And when they become fully conscious, then that helps to start raising up uh, the consciousness on the planet. Um, and it, it just keeps uh, happening over and over and over. And then with each new... Uh, each new um, batch of, of messengers that come in and incarnate. So there's regular message, me, messengers that come in and incarnate who work on themselves spiritually, raising the vibration. The mighty messengers really work towards being fully conscious and teaching the information and bringing all the information out. And, uh, and then, um, so there's all of that. But then we get to learn all about uh, universal society and everything that goes on up there and all of these incredibly cool um, uh, spiritual gadgets and things. Everything there is created spiritually. It's not, uh, you know, here we have technology and we have phones. There, if that were the case, it would have a spiritual principle behind it. And it would work on spiritual principles and it would work on different things. Like, for instance, um, Tehran's craft um, is called the Oval Opal, and it is made with his own DNA and his own cells. So the skin of the ship is actually organic and alive. And when he interacts with it, he's the one that drives it. He's the only one that can drive it, and he's the only one that can thought jump it. And a thought jump is going from one place across the universe to another. They don't need to bend or fold space. They just go, they think a thought in purity, and then boom, they're there. So... Um, so if somebody else wanted to try and do that with his craft, they couldn't because um, their their structure is not a part of the craft. Uh, so there's all these really cool, unique um, um, spiritual uh, uh, principles and gadgets and healing gadgets and all kinds of things. And then uh, book two goes into, uh, at the very end, Tehran is thrust forward, um, to incarnate with the uh, mighty messengers on earth and so it's his journey as an earth man and then his journey back home to uh, go into um, uh, you know sort of uh, uh, there's a lot of things that are going on I'm actually just I'm going to read you a little bit of uh, uh, the synopsis because um, I think that that will say it um, much better. I'm just grabbing a copy here. Um, by the way, I'm, all the books are all the books are uh, illustrated. And book two, I I decided to put as many of the uh, commanders and everything on the cover because uh, they're so gorgeous in color. Did you like that, Lavender? I liked it. Now I I have the book, but I must admit I haven't had time to read it yet. So don't spank me. Okay, I won't spank you yet, but I'm going to come get you. <laughs> All right, so uh, in 1959, an extraterrestrial incarnated on Earth. He doesn't remember who he is, but his cells hold his past life memories. After 26 years of spiritual education as a human, cosmic thought adjusters determine that he is ready to know the truth so that they awaken him to his heritage. Uh, he was an instructor at the University of Melchizedek, where he trained mighty messengers to incarnate on Earth for secret consciousness-raising programs, and in this incarnation, he has traveled with them. 
This is the autobiography of Solar Commander Tehran, uh, whose mission it is is to unite Earth with universal society. So, uh, and uh, now that Earthman's heart rules his mind, communication with enlightened extraterrestrials are permitted, and a trip to his home and awaiting family in the Pleiades star system is facilitated. Ultimately, Tehran's Earth body is put into a slumber, and he is returned to his former Titan self. His family reunion is short-lived in the face of a galactic crisis. The evil forces, knowing of his brief homecoming, steal what is most precious to him, luring him into direct combat. His only armor is courage and a powerful crystal light sword of truth given to him by Archangel Michael, his sovereign, just before he is thrust into the most barbaric cosmic war ever recorded. His enemy, the Dark Satan, commands the barbarian armies, terrifying beasts who wield impressive black art technologies. Now a leader amongst extraterrestrials in the starseed alignment of space peoples and planets, the fate of the universe hangs in the balance, and not even Tehran can imagine what awaits him. So... So there, it's uh, and it's almost. I think it's about 480 pages with all of the um, artwork that is sort of threaded throughout it. So, uh, so it goes into great detail. And I'm writing uh, book three in the trilogy uh, right now. So, uh, so we'll have that out uh, hopefully early to mid next year. So, how long did it take you to write book two? Well, I will, uh, in all honesty, when I began writing, my, my, uh, I, uh, um, I had my spiritual awakening when I was 26, and I went through an incredible, beautiful process of, of opening up and waking up to my God self connected to the entire universe and to all beings. And, and this unity was um, so moving that I wrote a whole book about it, and that took me a couple of years to write. And uh, and after I finished it, I had this incredible sense of completion, and it was just about my experience of of all that had happened. And um, then after an incredible trip to Mount Shasta, which which is um, actually detailed in book two, um, I I had a um, uh, one of my guides came to me and said, "What would you say if you wrote that book for yourself?" And I said, then I would say I learned an awful lot. And uh, my guide said, it's now time to sit down and write the real book. And I said, great. So I sat down, and uh, that's when I started writing the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga. So that book, uh, book one and book two, were written over a 25-year period on and off in between, um, uh, as everybody knows, I cast movies in the film industry. So in between casting projects and whenever I had time, I would go in and take chunks of time off and, and write. So, uh, so, the, so the entire book at the end of about 26, 27 years was about 900 pages. So... 
I had to then condense that into a couple hundred. And so what I did is I did sort of a little bit of a prequel in book one uh, and then added the rest of the story. And then book two was pretty much the rest of that story. And then a portion of the end of that book will be in book three. So... Um, so it's a it's a real fascinating journey, but it it uh, it will uh, it will share with people exactly what duality is, what uh, how you can overcome your own duality. Uh, when I was working on myself and um, uh, and I had this incredible experience in Mount Shasta, is when an indentation of a heart actually um, showed up on my forehead. So that showed me that I was really using my my heart to rule my mind, um, and uh, it was a physical uh, a physical trait that showed up, and it's still there to this day. So, um, so I I uh, you know so we you will go through the trials and tribulations of Tehran and learn a, a little bit more about what duality is, but then everybody will learn the greater duality of the universe as well. And um, and then understand things a lot clearer. I ha- I have to be honest with you, when I had my spiritual awakening and and I was um, interacting with these incredible master teachers, I had no idea what duality was. I I didn't even have a concept of what it was until years of explanation and them giving me experiences to therefore understand and contemplate them. Um, in book one, uh, one of my favorite chapters is when Tehran goes into the shadow chamber and he meets his own shadow, and he realizes that he that um, he everything he's hidden in himself um, has stayed in this dark place, and that for him to have full liberation and to achieve his uh, duality, he has to come to terms with all of that, and it's an amazing process. But that actual chapter, my these master teachers put me through in a in a lucid dream, and I woke up from that dream extremely mind blown, and actually went immediately to my desk and wrote it all out. So, wow. So yeah, how many it's pretty times incredible. Have you been back to Mount Shasta since your first awakening there. Do you go back quite often? Do you know I I like going to Sedona a lot because I I really like Bell Rock and I have a lot of friends there. Um, I haven't been to Mount Shasta in probably ten plus years, so I'm really looking forward to going uh, this August. Uh, I just I love the mountain. I think it's really beautiful. I've had a lot of friends that have recently gone and. And they've had experience, and they've seen craft. Um, uh, one of my friends actually uh, had an experience with beings on the craft with other people, so it wasn't just her having have uh, having an experience. It was several people having an experience at the same time. So, so it was really uh, it was really interesting. Uh, and again, our uh, the the mainframe of growing as a human spiritually or in any way, shape, or form is through experience. 
Yes. All of our experiences are different, and that's that's how we grow. So people who close off having experiences will just stay the same, and they'll stay the same in their belief system. So I remember when I was first when I was having this awakening way in the beginning that my belief system was so challenged that I had three days where I didn't know if I I was going to make it. I really. Um, to even just have the concept that there was a greater universe and other other beings in it who were these incredibly fully conscious people um, was was staggering for my very young mind at that time. And uh, but once I, um, I I had my equilibrium with it, and, and they did help me with that, then I was able to. Uh, to sort of stabilize and then start writing from a balanced standpoint and um, uh, that. Now, I didn't think it was possible, Lavendar, but um, when we, uh, ever since our screening at the Burbank Film Festival last September 7th, um, I've had a second spiritual awakening. I have gone through the most unbelievably um, beautiful time and and what it has done for me this time is seeing everything uh, the first time around was seeing and connecting into everything and seeing how beautiful it is now i'm seeing it even with more depth perception and i and again the first one i cried for eight months because everything was so beautiful i have done the same this this time around and and just wept tears of complete utter beauty and joy. Um, I can just start thinking about somebody. I I'll, I can be thinking about you, Lavendar, and I do you and everybody there, Anastasia and Ariel and everybody else. And I will just say I love them so much, and I just know that you're feeling that love when I'm sending it at that moment. But it's like even deeper. It's so much deeper now, and it's so much more richer and fuller, and and more beautiful. And um, and what's really nice is that it's really affected uh, the writing for book three in a really genuine and and different way. And I'm 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 very excited about it. Well, don't you think also that your your DNA is uh, getting a, an upgrade, and because of who you are and your mission and the way that you're traveling with with these stories that yeah. your own starseed DNA is is taking another ring of power, you might say? It is, it is. It, it, it does step up, and, uh, and we do keep going from level to level, from tier to tier. And uh, I know just recently I, I really felt that I, I moved uh, going through this experience to another tier, and um, so I'm able to feel and see things uh, more clearly now, um, even more deeply. But yes, it is doing our DNA, and I've a lot of people have said to me, "Your eyes look so clear and so different and so beautiful. What have, what do you, what have you done to yourself?" And and I think that that's a big part of it because you know the eyes are the soul, so. Uh, so the clarity is is there. Well, I think you're integrating probably all the characters from the ship and in your book, and it's like all, all the above. 
Yes. All the above. Yes, and it's it's so exciting. I mean, it's so exciting. I I look at this and uh, lavender. I can't wait to uh, uh, get the big stranger at the Pentagon on the screen, just so people could see what it looks like up there. I can't wait for the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga to be made into a trilogy of movies because. Um, Stranger at the Pentagon is sort of the the appetizer into the entree of the universe. And then the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga, the trilogy, is the full scope of the universe, the multi-universe, and then the super multiverse. And, and going to all these realms and places that I didn't even dream of existed. And it's... Um, it's quite exciting, um, uh, not only with with the garments and the things that they wear, but but who they are on the inside and and all of uh, what their daily life is like and how they actually they monitor us and they actually sit and they they pray for us and they send us incredible thoughts and and you know the universe is really pulling for this planet to shift into shift into uh becoming fully conscious and and I know that that's going to happen I know a lot of people are you know feel very down about it but I I just have an innate feeling and innate knowing. I just know that everything here is going to be beautiful and perfect. I don't know what the time frame is, but this planet is going fully conscious. I, I believe that, too, and I, I really hold a, a wonderful light for you for those films. And also, I, I want you to hold a light for our film, Crack Between the Worlds, and the story of George Van Tassel and what happened for me 25 or 30, well, it's been 30, 31 years ago, <laughs> I keep saying 25, and I keep forgetting to add years as time goes on. But um, wow. the, the crack between the world story uh, is going to be ready to go probably just right after your your movies come out. It'll be about the same time, I think. Oh, I'm so excited about that. I, I had no idea. Have you been working on a screenplay or uh, the book version? Got some people lined up. Uh, you know, when our monies come where we can pay them, I've got people lined up that want to write it. So yeah, Perfect. We're, just, we're just waiting for the universe to bring us the big funds so that we can go forward. And when the big funds come, you know we're sending some to you. So. Oh, I love you guys. Thank you. It's definitely thank you part so much. of your funding package. Yes, and thank I think you so much. When it's time to cast the movie, there's only one person we're going to call. Yep. That's right. You better call me <laughs> or I'll come find you guys. <laughs> uh, you better believe it. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I um I I just really uh, I love doing that. You know, I just saw uh do you guys know who Bashar is? Daryl Anka? Absolutely. And uh, you know, I uh I cast uh his uh new film which is called uh Bashar First Contact. So um, so Daryl, we did we did that last year, and uh, so anyway, Daryl had me and several other industry professionals over, and we had a screening of it about a month ago to give all of our input, and uh, it's very exciting. It's just very exciting to be a part of all these wonderful projects that are coming forth. So how can we get a hold of that film? 
Well, it's not done yet. It's not done. So he's he's still got some visual effects to do, some uh, some trimming, the music, and all of that. So I would venture to say it'll probably have a 2016 release. Um, but I I would imagine uh, everybody could keep track of it. Um, uh, I'm sure. What, uh, I'm not sure what his website is. I, I, I would assume it's Bashar.com. But uh, uh, but if you just Google Daralanka or Bashar, I'm sure it'll come up. So uh, everybody can keep track of it that way. But of course, I'll be putting it on my websites when it's ready to go and um, get out there as well. And he was a big supporter, uh, also. Uh, him and his wife uh, when I was doing Stranger at the Pentagon and uh, everything. So uh, just a lovely, lovely human being, yeah, both of them. Yeah, we love him. We love him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Would you be willing to take some phone calls from some of the people that maybe have uh, donated to your uh, movie or people that just want to call in and talk to you? Do you have a few minutes? Absolutely. I would love that. Absolutely. Okay, so Ariel, go uh, uh, look at the switchboard and see if we have any callers waiting. And I'll talk to you later, Craig, okay? Okay. I'll over to Ariel. All right, honey. Big Thanks. kiss. Um, if you would like to at least say hi or ask a question uh, to Craig, you're going to need to dial 917-889-8292 and then press 1. If you're not already on the switchboard, if you're already listening on the switchboard, then just press 1 so that we know you have a question and um, you can talk to Craig. Uh, in, the, in the meantime, though, um, I wanted to ask you about, I mean, well, you kind of already answered that because um, your books are written and it seems like a screenplay already. Yes. You know what I mean? the the way it's it's set up in the in the dialogue and the descriptions and everything i thought it wouldn't i mean it wouldn't take too much for this to be a screenplay um right well i've i've already uh done the screenplay for book 1 and what i wanted to do was something just a little bit different because this is a book that is different and my uh my writing teacher who uh used to teach at Harvard uh, she she had told me, she said, you know, you're really, really great at doing dialogue, so I think you should only describe a few things and do your dialogue, and that way you will stay in story. And I, I do know that everybody who read book one said, um, you know, that they gobbled it up in one or two nights and they wanted more. And I said, that's exactly the goal. <laughs> so, right. Um, right. Yeah, and and I, you know, when I'm reading a book, I I go pages ahead and I go, oh man, there's like another 20 pages in this chapter, and I want to read it before I go to bed, but it's too much. Um, so I set it up as little, you know, we're here, and this is what happens here. So you're kind of going from location to location. So if somebody is reading, they they can take a breather and digest the information. I know several people have read it. Um, they have told me they've read it five to ten times because they've gotten something new each and every time. Um, 
which is really fantastic. So, oh, yeah. uh, and by the way, I would love um, if uh, any of the listeners here, if you have read it and haven't done an Amazon review, um, if you could, that would be really incredible. Uh, uh, book one, um, I think out of 52 reviews, has like 48 five stars. So thank you guys so much. And uh, I think we have about 13 or 14 reviews so far on um, book two. And I think uh, all of them, we have all fives and one four. And then if anybody uh, has seen the film, if you can go give us a, a great rating on IMDB, which is Internet Movie Database. It's I and then an M as in Mary, D as in dog, B as in boy, dot com, and then just type in Stranger at the Pentagon. It'll come up, and then you can click on 10 stars uh, to also uh, uh, help our rating and all that good stuff. That would just be greatly appreciated. So, um, well, you know, so there we go I, for that. Um, one of my favorite things about about the work that you're doing in uh with stranger in the pentagon at the pentagon is that it like you said it is funded by the people for the people and that way you maintain complete creative control and Correct. You know, the, yes the movie corporations are not going to um well if you forgive the term bastardize it you know um, right. it it just has a a, a real truth and sincerity that that I think was preserved because right. it was funded by by your supporters. So That's right. And and that was the promise that I made to Dr. Frank and I told him, you know, that he would have to tell um Val and the crew members that that's the only way that a movie like this could actually be made is um because you know we we know what happened with several other movies and um uh, you know, I recently, um, over at uh, Yvonne Smith's Zero, she had Travis Walton and Tracy Torme who made um, Fire in the Sky. And it was very interesting um, to hear the backstory because uh, we know that they had to change some things because the studio made them. But, um, but it was interesting because I actually got to actually hear the story from, out of Tracy's um, own experience. And he had made Intruders years before. And it was airing on television one weekend. And one of the Paramount execs saw it and um, said, oh, we're making the same movie. And he uh, called Tracy up and said, you, you have to change this. You have to change this ending and do this and all of that. So they were, they were in a quagmire. They either could get the story out in most of its true form, or they had to do what the studio said um, and do what the studio said, or say no, and the movie never got made. So... But the thing is, is that even though the movie got made, it brought a big, giant attention to it. And then if people want to follow it, you know, Travis is everywhere. I, I, you know, I just saw him at Contact in the Desert. He is one of, he's such a lovely man, so kind-hearted. And um, uh, it's, it's just uh, uh, interesting because then people can find out what the real story is. So I just didn't want to compromise the story because I knew that they would literally make Valiant Thor into Captain America. Yeah, yeah, you know, or they would, they would, or something, or something yeah. else even less attractive. So <laughs> right, you, you yes, really true. Um, 
have made the right call and and because of that in continuing going forward i so strongly encourage all of our listeners um you can donate uh, i think is $25 or $50? Yes, uh, they can get uh $25 is the smallest and then it goes up to um god, I don't know. I think they can still get a producer credit which would just be on IMDb as well, but they'd get everything. Um all the posters, all the books, all of Dr. Frank's books which are Stranger at the Pentagon, Outwitting Tomorrow which is a very difficult book to get. I've got the last remaining copies. Um uh, which was also um, uh, Valiant Thor was an advisor with him on that book. Uh, there's UFO Conspiracy, Millennium 11, um, and then I've got um, uh, you know all different kinds of cool things. Yeah, you know, we all have our we all everybody loves their iHeart I Valiant Thor bracelets. Uh, we have iHeart Tehran and iHeart Kyalina bracelets as well. Um, and then we have all the we have the movie poster. I actually have. You're not going to believe this. Do you know that the publisher, who is such a firm supporter of ours, found the original plates to the original book poster when it was in the stores way back when? And do you know that he went and made me copies? Holy cow! So I have those original book posters, which is a part of the book poster uh, thing. And by the way, I will sign all of this for everybody. You know, hopefully, knock on wood, someday it'll be worth something. Um, uh, and personalize it, do whatever anybody uh, would like me to do. Of course, we have the movie on DVD, and we also have. Um, uh, I did a whole behind the scenes on on the DVD, which is just for the people. Uh, you know, who get the DVD. And then I had a table read with all the actors. Um, boy, I believe it was January 13th, 2013, or January 10th, something like that. And uh, so I have that on there as well, and that was right before we started shooting. And um, so there's all these extras. And then, of course, we have the actual Starship, that 14-mile-long and 7-mile-wide in a poster, and uh, and then, of course, the Victor-class um, saucer uh, with the blueprints, uh, you know, 300 feet in diameter, uh, the blueprints of where all the star quarters are and where the all the, the cafeteria, where everything, the gym, everything under the sun is on the craft, which is really, uh, you know, really amazing. So, um, and Dr. Frank had given me a giant blueprint of it as well. So, uh, so these are all one of a kind things that you can't get anywhere else. And of course, uh, like I said, you know, for 25 bucks, people can get the book and I'll autograph it to them and, and a Valiant Thor, uh, um, wristband and uh you know and they can get more as the uh, tier goes up as well so and this all goes to help us you know i'm still trying to pay off the short film so uh, it all goes towards uh, helping to get that paid off and then uh, if uh, we make it then uh, we will start using it for some pre-production for uh, the big movie as well to start doing storyboards and things like that so, because yeah, we have the entire film, the business package, uh, the short film is our expensive sizzle reel, um, 
and uh, we have our amazing uh, entertainment attorney who will be doing all the deals, you know, for people who donate, um, et cetera. So, uh, so if there's anybody listening out there who would, you know, wants to make giant private donations towards the big film, um, you know, they can contact me as well, and um, you know, we can put that into motion. So. Uh, you just never know these days, right? You know, there are oh. people out there that want to see all of this stuff get done and, and see it done get right. So, All we need is a million star seeds to pay 25 bucks a piece, and your movie's done. There you go. And we got a million star seeds. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Thirty-five, fifty. I didn't think of it in that way. All right, million star seeds, light up. <laughs> Gosh. Well, we do have we do have some uh, callers ready for you, and um, okay, we are going to talk to Carol first in just a second. Hi, Carol. You're on the air with Craig Campobasso. Hi, Carol. Hello, Ariel. Hi, Craig. This is Hi. Carol. I I did talk to you way back when the first one came on, and I really resonate with your information and your material. Um, oh, thank you. And um, unfortunately, I don't have the income to be able to give you uh, what you need to make your movie, but I have contributed and gotten the various things that I've gotten with that, which is very nice. Oh, awesome. um, thank you so much. Yeah, and I really enjoy that. And uh, I really feel the second book was, I've had experience metaphysically myself with being given a sword that is very similar to the sword that Chiron has, and uh -huh. it's used in the same way. It's a tool rather than yeah. a weapon. Right. And right. metaphysically, I have been given that same thing that I use in similar in a similar method metaphysically trying to help on this world too. So I right. feel that our our missions are very close and interlocked together. So yeah. I think we support each other in our missions and what we're doing to help this world advance and be able to ascend and I really appreciate your efforts also. Just wanted to give you Thank that. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that Carol brought that up by the way because uh, up there in the uh, Galactarian alignment of space, peoples, and planets, and, and the subdivision is the starseed alignment, which sends out starseeds to other worlds um, uh, to raise consciousness, is that they, they do not have weapons. There is no such thing as a weapon. They have deflector weaponry, which only deflects other things, or they have what Carol had brought up. Tehran has a crystal light sword of the golden ray, which he uses, and it's a it's a spiritual tool uh, for him to use, and, and he can choose to use it, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, yeah, well, I don't want to give the story away of, of uh, how it gets used, but, um, but, what, but it's, uh, the, all of these things are just amazing. I mean, nobody, even in battles or anything like that, is ever killed because of this technology. Yes, I think that's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, it's incredible. And that all really fits with all the philosophy that goes together with that. And um, my connection is through Archangel Gabriel, who is also connected to Archangel Michael, who you're connected to. Um, yes, and absolutely. And some of what I'm connected to is the what's called the crystalline universe, which is actually the one I think about they talk as being the opposite universe as this one 
Right. And I think there is, some of our souls have come across to help with Earth on this also, on this particular mission. Yeah. Ah, and it just feels right. feels good. And yeah. I, I would encourage people to support your movie with Stranger of the Pentagon and your books. So I appreciate oh, all that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Carol. And I'm have a good one. a big hug right through the phone. <laughs> thank you. And straight back at you, too. Oh, thank you. Calling, Carol. Thanks. Okay, okay, bye. Bye. And um, the next question is from our very own Vanya. Hi, Vanya. Vanya. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Um, first of all, I'm just so happy that Craig is back on the show. There's this thing that I, I, I feel immediately from the first time that Craig was on the show, uh, a kinship, uh, a brotherhood of understanding. There was a, a a big recognition on my part. I literally cried when I heard his voice. So it was sort of like a homecoming for me. So thank uh, you for coming back. Uh, I love you, um, Vanya. You're so sweet. Thank you. I love you too, Craig. <laughs> um, and by the way, you look phenomenal. I'm a Facebook friend of yours, and you look phenomenal. I'm so proud of you. Thank um, you very much. The, the I've been working very hard the past couple of years. I know you look absolutely phenomenal. Changed man for sure, I have to say. And yeah. I also want to say that it's an extremely small world in the connections because um, I live out here in Ottawa, Canada, and um, yeah. there is. Do you know you you know obviously uh, Regina Haranga? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, and actually, it's pronounced Regina. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I called her Regina for so many years, and then one day she said, you know, it's really Regina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. So you, I know, I know, but, but oh, I love her. She's a doll. She's great. And, and so you know her. I do. It's the smallest and smallest of worlds. I, I can't even tell you. And do you, do you know? Do you also know her friend Vicky? I have not had the chance to know her yet. No. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, she. Yeah. I'm sure at some point you'll uh, you'll meet her. Vicky just got married again. Um, uh, we we've been all friends for a very long time, and Vicky lost her husband years and years ago, and we were all just uh, torn up about it because he was such a lovely, lovely man. So for her to find love again and to get married, we're all so happy for her. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I'm I'm very happy to yeah. hear those types of things. But I just want to say yeah. it was a, it's a very small world and how I strange I meet these people and here we all interconnected. And she was surprised that I know about you and it was just very interesting. So, um, <laughs> but really, my question here. I'm so sorry about going on a di uh, divergent there. Um, my question is about the messengers. Um, I yeah. physically got a lot of major reactions when you were talking about the messengers. Um, I was told I was one, but I need more clarification on what your version of a messenger is. 
Or what well, the, there, there's various le- there's various levels and, and differences of the messengers. So that's why I I created the terminology of the extraterrestrial worlds in the back of book one and book two. And in both books, it's okay. different because there's different things that are there. So it actually uh, goes into um, a lot more of that explanation in the terminology if you uh you know if you want to look there for an even better resource but a lot of times and and i'm going to give you i'm going to give you a bunch of different examples because there there's there's many answers there are when when if you if you raise your hand and you're from somewhere in the universe and you say you know, at a gathering at Melchizedek, I want to go to Earth, I want to help. Um, then you sign a contract and you come, but you come for a period of time. It's not just one, I'm going to go for one. Sometimes you have to mm-hmm. come in to do one job that you're going to do, and your training might be five lifetimes to do that. Okay. As a messenger, yeah. um, the mighty messengers have come in and have done it time and time and time and time again, and and uh, but they have their specific missions are to actually um, focus really intently on themselves, and and this is all helped through all the guides and everybody at Melchizedek to raise them up on the on the right timetables through a perfect succession of experiences so that th- so that their mind doesn't fry because mm-hmm. you know as you as you start breaking through belief system and belief system and belief system i mean can you imagine what it's like becoming fully conscious there's actually a character in book 3 who becomes fully conscious and we get to experience what that's like at that moment that's yeah, uh, that that happens. So, so when you come in and let's say what like like what is Vanya for you? What is what do you think with what you're doing here on Earth is is your mission to to help everybody here? What what is the thing that's in your heart that you have to do above all else? Otherwise, you just couldn't survive anymore. <laughs> wow, it's it. Mine yeah. has always been to humanity on all aspects, lifting their light every single day. The way I speak to people, the way I interact with them, it's yes. I I I have to leave a light trail everywhere I go. I have to make people happy, smile, and feel at peace with themselves each and every single day. I can't be yes. me if I'm not that. Yeah, so, that's right. That's right. That's, so, I, so you're spreading light is what you're doing, and when you're spreading light, that's infectious. And your light, when it when it intermingles with other people's light, that actually creates little tiny changelings in the aura, and yeah. it actually goes into the cells, and in the, it's an exchange of energy, and this energy little by little helps everyone grow and then when people see you they want to be your friend because you are so um so lovely and so giving and and so fun to be around 
that you start to develop these incredible friendships with many, many people, and then all of you grow together as a soul group, and that's lifting the consciousness on the planet. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. 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 You know, people ask me all the time, what could I be doing to help? And it's simple. All you have to do is raise yourself up. And that is every day when you're challenged of something is to rise above it. If you're angry and you have hatred towards somebody is to sit down and meditate and allow yourself to feel love for the situation in that person and start diffusing it. And in the end is to actually have a conversation with them about how you feel. And hopefully they will have a balanced conversation with you as well. And if they don't, that's their choice. That's not your choice. That's You know that you did what you could do. But it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them either. It's just no. learning how to handle everything. So let's, let's just take a hypothetical thing. Let's say if you're a fully conscious being and you're on Victor 1 and there's conflict, right? Let's say there's conflict about something that's going on Earth and you have two vice commanders disagreeing over what should be done, right? How do you think they would, how do you think they would do that? How do you think they would uh, 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 create their differences? But see, they they actually have technology that can help them. <laughs> so they would discuss it among yeah they would discuss it amongst each other as a group. They would actually sit down and go within and see who what what is the better route to take. That's not just going to be for the immediate fix, but for the long-term fix long-term. for what's going on. So that it's to benefit the whole and not just a few. And then they, you know, they actually do have technologies that they could put in into their living computers and say, if I did this scenario, what are the scenarios that could come out of it? And they can, they can actually see the percentage rate of growth. Um, and they do those measurements of everybody on Earth. And there are many people here who haven't grown one iota in their lifetime. And and so that's where it gets stagnant. And when they have stagnant areas is where they actually start sending more starseeds to incarnate so they can start to break up that, um, you know, uh, people being stuck in their consciousness and start to raise up and all of that. Haven't you noticed, I mean, really um, since uh, the, uh, the 80s and on, how much the consciousness has raised and how, you know, there are even book publishers that do this kind of, that that just concentrate on these type of books because they're so popular because people want to know, not learn how to grow. They want to know how they can help themselves and, and not be stuck and not be angry and, and to get out of toxic relationships and get into ones ones where they feel worthy and that they're loved. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes, definitely. That's an amazing thing. A, yeah. 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 yeah every so single day. I, I don't know if that answered it for you, but... Oh, yeah. It did, absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay, good, good. But go go back in your you know in your book one and your book two in the I Am Tehran and Waking Tehran book and and look under uh, Messengers and Mighty Messengers and Melchizedek and all of that there and it will give you even a little bit more information. So and if there's any newbies to the books and if you're you know wanting to anybody wants to get them if uh, they can get them through the autobiography of an ET website, and I can autograph them for them as well. But I always suggest that everybody read the terminology of the extraterrestrial worlds first before starting to read the book. Or if people have Kindle or Nook, it's on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well on 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 those uh, as well. And it's in hardcover, softcover, um, you know. Light cover. <laughs> Everywhere you want it. That's the new one. <laughs> Anywhere you want it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you so very much, Craig. And um, keep up the fabulous work. Thank you for doing what you do. And uh, look forward to crossing paths with you eventually. Oh, I would love that. Thank you guys so much. You guys are always so awesome. Thank you for all your support and love. Okay, well, Vanya, thanks. That was a great question. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, because um, we have we have a, a a few minutes, I think. Let me see if we have – I don't think we have any more questions coming up. But um, I think it would be interesting for, for people that haven't um, read at least the first book – to kind of describe um, a typical a typical day in the life of Tehran. Sure. Well, he uh, at the beginning of um, uh, I am Tehran, uh, we're right there with him on University Planet at Melchizedek uh, 22, uh, where he is talking to a group of messengers who are graduating into the mighty messenger class so he is actually going through and explaining to them everything that they've just gone through um uh, uh one of those being having to uh come here on earth and incarnate as every religion every color every race all of that and then uh then they are given their next lifetimes and they will actually see who they are who they will be um what their task will be uh what their family will be what their challenges will be and all of this is sort of ingrained into their soul and into their mind um so that when they when they do become uh uh, when they are brought to earth and they do incarnate that is, that these memories these um uh are still with them, and then, as they start to get activated through the star seed alignment um through waves of um consciousness light and things that they put through on the planet um and every messenger has a blue beam on it and and the big crafts um uh actually know where all these beams are so they can um, uh, keep track of everyone, see what's going on with them. They can feel their emotional body. Um, they can feel uh, if they're getting sick. They can feel uh, all these different things that are going on around them, you know. And and to just digress a little bit, um, you know, Zan, who's the doctor on board, Victor One, is a doctor for starseeds. They don't need doctors there, so... 
he's a doctor for starseeds. So um, Dr. Frank was seen by him many, many times um, when Dr. Frank was going through a lot of his challenges. So, um, but, uh, so that would be his uh, typical day, and then he would go and be with his family. But, uh, but, you know, most of all, he wanted to learn about duality and uh, his dualistic nature and trying to understand why he, of all people, was was made um this this um advanced um professor of sorts at Melchizedek when he is dualistic and he's not fully conscious and of course later on he learns that that is the main reason why because he is sending um you know he is teaching them duality because they're going into a dualistic world so so once, uh, so by the end of book one, he's he's really uh, having incredible experiences and and shown things, and he uh, goes through the shadow chamber. And once he goes through through that, which uh, again is one of my favorite favorite chapters, um, he becomes fully conscious, and then it's and then it's his mission uh, being a fully conscious commander. Um, from that moment on, and then, uh, and then, of course, at the end of the book, there is a, you know, like in the movie The Sixth Sense, when you found out that Bruce Willis was a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The ending of book one has an ending that's similar to that that people just love. So, of course, I'm not going to spoil that. Don't um, spoil and you it. know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not going to spoil that uh, because. People are just mind blown when they get to the last page and they read the last page. So, and and the most beautiful thing is 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 you get to look at all the various uh, commanders and the gods and goddesses and Archangel Michael and Gabriel and Father Melchizedek are all uh, all their artists. The artist renditions are in there. I worked with her for over five years creating all this incredible artwork. Uh, you know the ships, the technologies of the ships, the healing tools, um, all these different things um, are all brought to life. So as you read about it, um, you know you'll see it. And uh, in book one, all the photos are in the back of the book. In book two, we uh, I tried something different and put them as they come up in the book. So as you're reading, and we do have a lot of new characters and. Um, Things in book two, we uh, we actually also get to meet the Ark Archangel Metatron and um, and see what that whole journey with him is about as well. So uh, so it is an amazing journey, and book two is an even amazinger journey, and then book three will be a mind blowing journey. A mind blowing journey in book three, I can guarantee the, all the readers that. Yes. <laughs> when you were talking about the shadow chamber. Um, and and I, I have to bring this up because if I can't talk about Star Trek to you, who can I talk to about? Um, right, that's right. If you remember, um, in the original Star Trek, there was an episode called The Enemy Within, and um, Kirk goes through a malfunctioning transporter and is split into two beings, one negative um, and one, you know, the, the animal primitive, and then the other one, the the um, the calm gentle tender do you remember that episode by chance i do yeah i do i don't remember a lot about it but yeah he 
uh, he was really hooked in Gene Roddenberry to all that stuff, wasn't he? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in that episode, I mean, Kirk had to look at his shadow self and and realize that um, unless he could reunite and integrate, that um, he couldn't go on without, you know, as just half. But I was thinking about, yeah, yeah. It's just like there was a yeah. book a long time ago called Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Star Trek. And uh, it, it <laughs> always stayed with me because it, it addressed so many um, metaphysical questions, even when you think about the late 60s, um, for, for him to well, be... Well, that was, I mean, to have that stuff in that time was amazing. To, to have that on television was incredible. Yeah, of course, it was it was such science fantasy at that time that um, I don't think people really, uh, some people did, but... Um, yeah. They didn't really get it until until later, but yeah, that that was a a, a great episode on dualistic um, conditions. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely, and and I think I mentioned it on the show before, but just in case um, for all the readers uh, that you know, um, he was trying he was trying to get that on uh, get it made and took it everywhere, and everybody turned it down. And um, he ended up taking it to uh, Desilu Studios, of which um, uh, Desi Arnaz had stepped down, and Lucille Ball was actually running the studio. And Lucille Ball is the one who greenlit Star Trek and greenlit Mission Impossible. Wow. How do you like them apples? Yeah, that's great. That I mean, and a woman, you can think about, I mean, she was born in the 20s, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she must have been because in the early 50s, she was, you know, doing the, the you know, I Love Lucy. So, you know, she had to be yes. 25, 30. So, yeah, I mean, from right. her from her generation to be so um, far-sighted and, um, yeah. and give that movie a chance, I mean, it makes you wonder, well, who was she? You know, well, and, and, and yeah. well, she, yeah, I mean, I never met her. I, I really did love Lucy. I, I really love Lucy. I mean, that, that, uh, you know, she was just a part of my whole life and, and, and everybody's. And, um, but to, to know, you know, and I also found out that her and Desi had a house in Sedona and they had, you know, lots of things. So, so there definitely seems somewhere along the way that she she had some kind of really nice spiritual sense and spiritual side and all of that. I did get to hire her granddaughter in a movie, uh, Lucy Arnez's daughter, uh, a couple of years ago when I was in Miami. So that was very exciting. Well, I'm sure, you know, if 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 I could get a hold of her chart, I know that it would just be loaded with star markings. And you know, I'm are... sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You could probably go online and find. You know, just type in Lucille Ball's uh, birthday yeah, and I'm... time of birth. Yeah. I bet you. It's, it's, I bet you somebody has it somewhere. So uh, okay. that would be really fascinating to me. I'm going to do that because you know, there's a page on our website with famous, famous star seeds, and I've, I've uh, kind of broken down some major names from history and how many, you know, massive star markings they've got. But I'm going to have to go yeah. back and inc- include Lucy because, you know, she made Star Trek possible. And look at the look, look at that! Look how massive she had no clue, 
um, on, on, on a no. conscious level how important no, that one would be for right. hundreds of millions of people. And right. opening the door. Right. Look at all the people that she opened the door for um, indirectly because of that. Well, and I uh, and here's just another little interesting piece of trivia. Um, you know, back in those days, they didn't. The casting director was the low life of the thing. They never gave casting directors credit, uh, anything. You just got a paycheck, and you you should be lucky. She was the first person to ever give a casting director credit. So every time you watch an I Love Lucy, it says casting by. Uh, Kerwin Coughlin, and I just think that that was awesome that that she did that. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> we love Lucy even more. We do. For knowing, we well, for do. knowing, you know, for knowing these yeah. things. Um, yeah. A very far-sighted, far-sighted woman. So um, yeah. is there anything else you would like to tell the audience as we um, kind of begin to wrap it up here? Uh, well, I'll just mention, you know, again, if anybody's in the Kansas City area, I'll be there giving a talk on The Stranger at the Pentagon and uh, Valiant Thor and uh, all kinds of good stuff and showing the film um, at the, uh, what did I say, the Unitarian Church. Uh, people can go on my Facebook page, Craig Campobasso. And um, and check it out, or they can go to um, StrangerAtThePentagon.com and look under appearances, uh, and it's there as well. And then uh, again, just all the websites: StrangerAtThePentagon.com, uh, Autobiography of an A N E T. dot com, and uh, for all the movies and casting work, CraigCampobasso. dot com. And we also have you know Twitter and. Um, Facebook and all of that, and people can you know click on it on the uh, on the website. By the way, I I looked at my Twitter the other day. I like a few months ago, I had three thousand followers, and um, when I looked the other day, I was at ten thousand three hundred. Oh my goodness! I know it it made a gigantic jump. So that's good news that people are actually now, you know, this is getting out more into the mainstream. So so uh you oh, know, yeah. I just want to thank everybody for, you know, for helping and posting and you know, getting it out there and all that good stuff. It's it's uh you know, it's very exciting uh for everybody to just see. Uh I mean, there's so many books I've come across saying, "Why didn't I ever know about this book?" And and then I get it and I read it and it changes my life and and it's been out you know since the twenties, <laughs> right, so, right, yeah. So, uh, but they all come into your life when you need them, don't they? Absolutely. And yeah. you know, I, I think as far as you know the 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 film, The Stranger at the Pentagon, <clears throat> that snowball's yeah. starting to roll. It's just starting yes, to roll. I can feel it. Yeah. Even though it really and truly won, is, you've already won two awards, but you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> yeah, and that's very it's, exciting. By the way, I found out that um, there were over 400 submissions in our category uh, for the last film festival. So that really, um, I was like, wow, that's incredible. So um, it's volume. really exciting. 
Yeah, it's really exciting, and uh, I screened it um, at the UFO Congress uh, back in February. There were over 500 people in the screening room, um, and I think uh, this place in Kansas City on Friday night holds about 250, uh, so I'm sure that that will be packed and uh, full as well. So um so i hope anybody's in the area they they come on down it's going to be fun we're we're going to do that i'll do uh i'm going to do book signings and things afterwards and uh and then we're going to a place called the flying saucer for drinks <laughs> oh in kansas city i have no idea in kansas city that's that's what they told me i have no idea what if it's a if it really is a flying saucer like shaped Place, but evidently uh, that's what it's called. So that should be very fun to go do. So, uh, you know, and anybody who comes to the event is more than welcome to come there as well. So, I wonder if that's a chain because there's one in Little Rock, Arkansas as well called the Flying Yo. Saucer. It's a restaurant, you know, cafe kind of place. Uh, right. And of course, right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I have to check that out. And, uh, oh, and then yeah. you'll, you'll be in Roswell. For contact, um, what yes. is it? I'll be yeah, Fourth oh, of July weekend, uh, the second or the second, third, fourth, and fifth, I believe. So, so we'll be doing a screening in the morning and a screening in the afternoon. I'll be giving talks and you know doing uh, book signings and poster signings and all that stuff there as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. I've never been to Roswell, and evidently it is like the crazy parade and just uh, tens of thousands of people just descend upon Roswell during that time and uh, all of that. So it should be really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's uh, going to be wild. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a... yeah, I can't wait. So there's going to be a lot of people with tinfoil on their head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, from that... Uh, you know what was that that Mel Gibson movie? What was that called that M Night Shyamalan did? Um, oh, it I was. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. But uh, anyway, it was very fun. Joaquin Phoenix was in it as well. So um, yeah, it'll be really exciting. And then Mount Shasta in uh, in August. And then we will, which will be fun. Uh, if anybody's never been to the Integratron. Um, uh, I just gotta uh, get those dates. Uh, we'll probably be end of summer or uh, beginning of fall. So we'll do a couple of screenings in a day there, and uh, it's incredible. So people can check it out at integratron.com. Um, but of course, I will always have where I'll be under appearances on um, you know the autobiography of an ET and StrangerAtThePentagon.com websites. So well, that so is people can just... always check that out. Fabulous. Yeah. I know or join the Facebook are... pages. Yeah. No, they well, can you're just not hard to Facebook find. I mean, I you're all over the Internet. You're yeah, all over the on there. Yeah. I know, I know. I know, and there's like 5,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are so grateful for um, a busy, popular man like you to be um, sharing your time so generously with our audience. And um, it's just always a pleasure to experience the light of you on our show and lavender i'm going to be wrapping up in just a second so um you have any comments to interject well i'm i'm just really excited about his work and 
and the things that we're all doing together. It's just, it just it gives me such a charge to know that you're on the planet doing this, okay? It gives me great hope for the future, and I know that a lot of star seeds are rising up all over the planet, unbeknownst to, to them that they're even star seeds, but it's happening, and when they see your film, it's going to really lock them into what they should be doing. So so thank you so yes. much for doing what you do. Yeah, thank you, and the same, uh, same to all of you guys, and, you know, we're all here to help each other, so... You know, you guys ever need anything from me or help or guidance and stuff when you get your thing going there as well. Um, you know, we're all here to to just uh, unify and get all this stuff out there for everybody to enjoy. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, Craig Campobasso, thank you so much for spending your evening with us here, and um, we're looking forward to the release of the new book and great news about all of your travels and um, just much, much love to you. Uh, much love to you guys, too. Thank you so much, Ariel, for all of you having me on, and i give you all a big hug and kiss. Okay. Well, we're sending it all back to you. Thank and you. Think... Good night, everybody. Good night, Craig. And Good night. behalf of all of us. Here at Starseed Radio Academy, thank you for joining us. joining us and your thought for the week. If you don't know which way to turn, step up. Good night, everybody. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet.